it's a good lift and sees the champion today. Hello, my name is Daniel Weiss. I'm your host and a nutrition coach. Welcome to Health Energy Performance Podcast. Today I'm interviewing Sahil Alim, who is a Belgium powerlifter who has been competing on a relatively high level. And she shared with us today her training and nutrition. So we will be speaking about topics like what her training looks like, but also if, for example, if you are a woman, should you be worried about getting bulky if you start training like a powerlifter? Or what can we take from powerlifting specifically and implement into our training? In the later part, she speaks about her nutrition, her macros. So if you are interested into this, uh, only about this topic, then skip to this part. The timestamps will be in the description, but also check the show notes on the podcast website where she shared with me and with you also some of her favorite meals that she sent to me after we recorded this podcast episode. So go ahead to this website and you will find also, besides the show notes, some additional information, guides that will assist you in your health, energy, performance, so you can be healthy, get fit and recover even faster. Hope you will enjoy this and if you do, share, like and subscribe. Now to the episode. We have been in contact for quite some time and it's really a pleasure to like reconnect with you once again. And after such a pleasurable moment and congratulations for winning the um, powerlifting competition that you had recently. And Yeah, thank you. 195 kilos for Sahiri Lalim, gold medal lift. Bar is loaded for Sahiri Lali in Belgium, gold medal attempt. Let's go! a good lift and sees the champion today, Raya second and Vanderblok third. So ladies, please get ready immediately to victory ceremony. I wanted to like introduce you a little bit uh, in the beginning, but I had a different like Many people or many of my listeners, they will not know much about your sport. And I think it will be better if you introduce yourself and what you do and we will go from there so i would like to also discuss maybe like uh, your background how you got there how you became vegan and let's share some inspiration here yeah okay sounds good so i could definitely start with a little bit about the sport that i'm doing so the the sport is called powerlifting and it's basically just lifting heavy weights. Um, three different movements in particular, squat, 
bench press and deadlift. So I think most people who've ever been to the gym before are familiar with those three exercises. And basically it's just uh, lifting as heavy as you can in each of those three disciplines. It's a good lift, congratulations. New personal best. So that's powerlifting. Um, and as for myself, I have been powerlifting since 2017, started mm -hmm. competing. Before that, I worked as a personal trainer, so I was quite familiar with the movements already before I started competing and actually found out about powerlifting, that it existed. Um, so yeah, working as a, a trainer, and actually that's what I do now. I'm a coach. I'm a powerlifting specific coach through my uh, coaching company, Kaylin Barbell, mm -hmm. and um, also work with some non-powerlifting clients, but mostly shifted towards powerlifting now. Um, so yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, and actually the most of like the oh, when I was going through your statistics or through competitions that I found it was like uh, your first was in 2018 in powerlifting. Uh, the first was actually 2017 when I, uh, I did a couple of power, uh, my first, uh, competitions just to see what it was about. I did a couple in Japan when I lived there. And then when I came to Belgium is when I, you know, started seriously, more seriously getting into it and, uh, then started competing at worlds and Europeans for Belgium. And that is in the open category. Yes. Yes, because I'm uh, well, well past the age of being a sub junior or a junior, which goes up to about 25 years old. So, uh -huh. yeah. Okay, so I'm in my I really love that setup behind you. Uh, is that an apartment? Oh yeah, that's my work area. So I during COVID actually I set this whole thing up because. At some point here in Belgium, we had several lockdowns. So we had the first lockdown where I was like, okay, I I was working at the time at a few different gyms. So I really didn't think it was gonna last that long. And uh, I didn't buy any equipment or anything like that. Um, but after the first one, when they were, there were rumblings of a second one coming around, uh, that's when I started ordering up material and getting this whole thing set up, which was good because by the time I got everything, because the, there were back orders and it took a long time to get everything. Mm. Actually, at that time, we went into another lockdown, which then lasted until uh, I think it was from November to about June, the gyms were closed. So that was really fortunate that I had this equipment at home. Uh, and now I actually use it with for myself a little bit, but also with clients who come to visit me at home. Oh, that's awesome. So, so yeah, I've got this, this whole setup here. Maybe that's like a side question, but for anybody who would like to build this, as you mentioned, you build it like step by step. You love that process, right? You get lost in everything. And so how long maybe did it take you to put together like if we consider that if you had all the materials right away? Um, um, not very long. I mean, yeah. the biggest 
concern was that everyone was buying up equipment at the time. So there were, right. there were back orders of months and months where you couldn't get anything. So I think nowadays it's a lot easier. So once you order, it takes a few weeks to deliver and then putting all this together, I mean, you have to spend a little time, but I think this rack took me maybe an hour or two. Oh. And then, yeah, it's it's pretty simple. Nothing nothing complicated. Right. So, yeah, there is something that I would also advise uh, anybody who is serious about lifting, not only like powerlifting, but this, what you have there is like the, I would say the base setup for any fitness enthusiast even runners. Yeah. I mean, you could do a lot with what I have here, which is a cage and it's got the pull-up bar at the top. So that was really important. There's a dip extension as well. Mm -hmm. And then I've got a bar and about 250 kilos worth of weights, which most people might not need that much. Uh, at this point, I probably don't even need that much, but, um, you know, just uh, happened to purchase that amount and then a few other pieces of equipment, some kettlebells, uh, also some dumbbells, these types of things. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, just, it requires a little investment of money, I would say, especially the, the weights. But if you, if you just want to get like a couple weights to get you started, uh, and then the cage and the bar is not, it's not too expensive. You can find some relatively decent equipment for, I'd say like maybe 800 to a thousand euros, something like that. Right. So I, I guess it could be maybe also valuable for anybody who's listening to dive deeper into that training and maybe not even, even like powerlifting specific, but I think that we can take, for example, some powerlifting maybe principles or exercises and use it for just general lifting or even for runners because I started doing some powerlifting myself as a runner and I really love that. Of course, not in the way like powerlifters do, but for me, it's like complementary movement. And I see that it has a lot of also... Um, you know, overreach also, it helps me with running or with jumping, let's say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what I was doing for years as a personal trainer was just using these base strength training movements to help people get into shape and to obtain their, you know, regular fitness goals. So powerlifting style of training is definitely useful in any context even with just um, your average gym goer, also with other athletes in different kinds of sports. Like I've worked with triathletes to, mm -hmm. to help them um, build up their strength and also resistance to injury, which is really good. So a lot of different um, ways you can use these base movements to improve performance in different disciplines. Yeah, totally. So basically the difference would be like the volume or the focus of those lifts that you put in the training. Yeah, depending on the sport and what's yeah. necessary. Um, most of the time, the general population wouldn't necessarily need to be doing heavy singles like mm -hmm. power lifters would be doing, but certainly learning the movements and then uh, using them in different ways, whether that's to um, gain muscle, gain strength, uh, dependent on which sport you're doing, it's very useful. 
And actually, you know, um, I have a few vegans, women, who also do powerlifting. So it's like kind of interesting, at least in my own bubble. And on the other hand, when I look at the general population, it's like uh, women tends to stay away from powerlifting because they have some assumptions like powerlifting will make it bulky or something like that, which I think is a myth. But maybe you can dive deeper into that. Well, I think it's also something that's not even happening as much anymore. So maybe still in certain cultures or countries, there's some stigma about it. But I think it's a it's one of the biggest growing sectors, actually, in powerlifting is women wow. powerlifting. Uh, so I think in a lot of places like um, U.S., Belgium, things like that, France, it's it's definitely you're seeing a change of opinion in that respect where people don't don't see it that way, that if you do these ty- types of things that you're going to get huge and bulky. I think the there are some older women that I've worked with who still have that assumption, but I think younger generations more and more are seeing different role models um, than you know what these older generations of women have been accustomed to. So I think there's definitely a generational divide there, um, but also the fact that these women they tend to look at these bodybuilder types who are on a lot of drugs and things like that and think that that's what happens when you do these types of sports. So it's just, they associate, the association is erroneous, but that's solely being corrected, I think. No, I, th- I, I think you are right, uh, especially among this younger population and maybe just, you know, my bubble, my uh, circle or people that I'm facing or communicating with so yeah that can be one thing but it's really not like you will wake up tomorrow and be gone <laughs> yeah and I think them seeing me in person because I'm you know obviously I'm doing all this powerlifting and stuff but I don't I don't look like scary to them so they're mm-hmm. like oh that's strange like this person she looks pretty normal you know <laughs> like <laughs> so I think that in itself is um, something that helps as well because they can actually see that, okay, well, I know that she's doing all this stuff, but she's not looking like that. So so representation also of what actually someone might look like and seeing that in person can help to, to get rid of these types of ideas as well. Right. So just for the reference, maybe um, when you have a no, your average training, like what are the benefits of implementing powerlifting or that kind of that style of training into their routine? Well, I think um, one of the things that it does is it gives a little structure to people's training. So some people, they go to the gym, they're like, I don't know what to do and this and that. And then they kind of just do random stuff. Um, I think powerlifting style of training, it gives you like, okay, you're going to work on these particular movements and we're going to progress in those movements. And so it gives them a structure to follow in a way. And um, 
that kind of helps to be able to see progress in a sense, because you're concentrating on a few different exercises and then taking time to see how they progress. So I think that's, um, I think that's also can be inspiring for people because they actually get to see progress of, okay, I started here and this is where I'm at now. And I also think that it teaches people to, you kind of get a sense of working hard. Um, wow. A lot of people will go to the gym and they think they're working hard, but there's no way really that they can, can analyze how they're yeah, feeling. I, I, really I think what you are looking for is that they don't have the reference point for what hard is. Exactly. So with powerlifting style of training, you might be hitting, trying to hit a certain target. So that takes some trial and error, but eventually you get to a point where you start to realize, you know, okay, I'm, I'm starting to fail these lifts at this point. So that's really my maximum for right now. And then, so that also gives people a sense of working hard uh, and, and being able to measure that. Yeah, so how, what you said, just to recap, having a sense of structure and also uh, finding yeah, your finding capacity, your... working hard, and also um, having periods. Sometimes we can get burnt out. We're doing the, you know, always going to the maximum. So powerlifting mm -hmm. style of training as well. You, we have we go in in waves. So some some weeks we're we're building up, building up, building up, and then we're coming back down. So kind of builds in a sort of um, way of managing fatigue that avoids people burning out as well. So lots of different things. And I think more. <laughs> yeah, what I heard like from people that in general, you know, it gives them also a certain type of like confidence, like being able to lift that much. It's like with every kind of training is that you overcome your expectations or you push yourself harder or further or yeah, you exceed your expectations and then it builds your like self-esteem. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely an aspect of, in general, I think lifting and lifting heavier um, that gives to people. Certainly it's, um, yeah, this feeling of, oh, I didn't realize I was capable of that. And then you're feeling so, so good about it. It really does is a confidence booster for, I think, a lot of people. It's also right. um, can get tricky because then you're like, I need to get better. I need to push, 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 push wow. constantly trying to get to that next level, you know? So it's also, uh, can be dangerous. <laughs> but with a coach like yourself, I think it's, it can be very well managed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I got to keep some people in check. There are some people who try to try to work go too hard all the time so some some clients like that and then some who i need to push to work a little bit harder so there's a whole spectrum of different different personality types but that's what makes it interesting yeah totally and let's speak maybe a little bit about your background when it comes to your diet or diet philosophy veganism so how long have you been actually following that let's call it lifestyle or this ethics? 
So, um, well, I started off as a vegetarian back in, well, it was almost 20 years ago now. It's, I think, about going on my 20th year of, um, you know, just took out meat, uh, most dairy, was basically holding on to eggs and cheese mm -hmm. for a bit um, in the beginning. Also, because uh, I wasn't really aware of veganism and the dairy industry and what was happening there. So for me, it was, you know, I don't want to kill animals, so okay. I'm going to stop eating meat. Um, and yeah, so I stayed that way for a while. I learned about veganism eventually through um, punk rock scene. Mm -hmm. So actually um, started getting involved in that when I was a teenager. And then once I lived on my own, became vegetarian and started going to shows in New York City and stuff. And I met um, a lot of hardcore punks who actually were vegan. And there's a lot of uh uh, veganism and vegetarian mm -hmm. ethics um, involved in the punk rock scene. So that's really how my awareness of all of these things developed over the years. So I, at that point, started not buying leather and these other aspects of veganism, which aren't as often talked about, but not buying cosmetics and things like that and uh, that have been tested on animals. Mm -hmm. So these things I started becoming more aware of over time and then eventually became vegan, I think about seven or eight years ago. I don't remember because it was kind of vague. So I'd been living um, mostly without animal products for so long and then had periods where I wasn't uh, eating animal products. And then just, um, I kind of kept the door open for a while, mainly due to family reasons or, you know, going out with friends, convenience things. Cause this was earlier on in the two thousands where the options weren't as prevalent and, and this whole lifestyle wasn't really, uh, known to people. So people just thought you were weird or you were going to die of some deficiencies and, you know, so there was a lot of stigma around it. So I think at the time, I just preferred to um, be a bit flexible when dealing with other people and going to places. And then um, until it got to the point where I was like, OK, I can't I can't be living my life to please other people. I need to do what what's best for me. And that's when I just completely went vegan. So uh, was that basically at the time when you also became a personal trainer? Um, I became a personal trainer. Yeah, it was kind of around that time, actually. I think pretty much around the same period of time um, after I moved to Belgium. Um, so when I started becoming yeah a trainer, so around then I had been doing gym stuff uh, on my own, but not not powerlifting at that point. Yeah, because you know a lot of people are interested you know, implementing like more plant-based foods into their diet. And sometimes they see like some documentary and they think like, okay, meat or I heard meat is bad. So now I don't want to eat meat, but is it okay? Or is it really not hurt my performance? You know, at least I get these kind of questions, especially from some younger, um, younger generation. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, uh, or 
people who don't really do the research or just get you know from the social media general information and i mean that's a valid concern but maybe you uh, you can be like an example of that but maybe share with us how do you think it affects your performance if at all mm. Well, it's definitely hard for me to compare it to when I was eating meat because I never did sport before mm. I yeah. <laughs> when I was eating meat. So I've always been doing sports since I was vegetarian. So I actually have no clue how I would perform um, other otherwise. But I could say that I do think I have a really high work capacity. Um, but also that could be due to the fact that I do include more cardio stuff and kind of have a, a, a big base of, you know, more uh, aerobic exercise and high intensity training. I, I didn't do marathon. I did a couple half marathons, but I didn't do a uh, serious running or anything, but I love jump rope. I, I started off with high intensity interval classes. So I did a lot of uh, that type of training before I even moved to barbell training. So I have always liked doing that stuff. So could also be that I continue to do that kind of stuff as well as powerlifting. Um, so high work capacity, um, even though I'm reaching my late thirties now, uh, <laughs> I can still keep up with a lot of the younger folks. Um, so yeah, I do think that, um, energy level is pretty high most of the time and I feel pretty light. I don't often feel, you know, like after eating that I'm super heavy. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, in terms of other aspects, I really couldn't say, because I'd never done sports, not when eating meat. And for me, it was exactly the same. It was like when I started running, it was when I also switched to vegan diet. So I also cannot compare, uh, but I share, yeah. share your experience. Like I, I feel okay. I, I don't feel like the diet is limiting me in any way. And, but I also have experience with some powerlifters, not many, who want to include maybe more this plant-based meal because of the either ethics or because of ecological reasons or some other. And they are concerned about getting enough protein. So mm -hmm. what's your view on that? Or is it, how do you solve that issue? Well, I think that it's definitely something that you have to be aware of and really um, focus on if you want to be in a strength sport because, uh, well, me personally, I do well on a high protein diet. So uh -huh. I'm talking two to 2.5 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So on a daily basis, that could mean I'm trying to get 150 grams of protein, right? Which is um, pretty substantial, I think, to get through things like beans and lentils, if you're trying to go whole foods, plant-based. Um, so I definitely, and also me personally, because I had some digestive issues when I was eating too many of these things, mm -hmm. uh, large quantities, um, when I started incorporating more, let's say processed, um, proteins like seitan or TVP or plant-based meat alternatives, um, I 
I definitely saw um, some improvements in terms of the issues that I was having with digestion. So for me, uh, including various types of proteins and not shying away from things like plant-based meat alternatives or protein powders really helps me to be able to reach my protein target. Mm -hmm. So that could include two protein shakes per day with 20 to 30 or 40 grams of protein all in with all the different ingredients, plus um, a plant-based meat alternative or seitan and then tempeh, tofu and beans and things like that all coming up uh, at some point during the day. But yeah, having a good mix of those things. But whole foods, plant-based, I think can be difficult to achieve that amount of protein. Yeah, I totally agree. And oh, I discussed this many times. And what, what is worth <laughs> repeating that you don't need to be like whole food, whole food, whole food. You will break your digestion. You will feel bloated and so on. It's okay to have a protein shake or a protein bar or TVP, Satan. I mean, uh, Yes, Satan has gluten. So what? I mean, if you don't have problems like medical issues, maybe. Yeah. Just maybe. It's it's just that. I think it would be really difficult if you were allergic to soy. Um, I mean, you could make it work, but I think it, that that would be pretty tough mm-hmm. to. I mean, yeah, you might have to rely more on these protein powders and things like that. Uh, but if you take out tofu, tempeh, edamame, uh, TVP, all these kinds of things, I think it will be a lot harder. So hopefully you're not allergic to soy. <laughs> but if you are, I mean, you could still do it. It's just, let's say you're also allergic to gluten, then it's uh, it's going to get tricky. I mean, there's always a way, but that would yeah. be definitely... Uh, a lot harder there is but (laughs) (laughs) but yeah not shying away from these even processed foods uh i do think that the plant-based diet in general we tend to eat less oil or at least i do because i don't Mm -hmm. add a lot of oils to things um so even if you get a plant-based meat alternative from the supermarket and yeah it's like a little bit higher in fat content I think it if you eat a pretty balanced diet throughout the day, that it's not going to change much, um, that you'll still be within range of what macros you want to hit. So Right. And fu- funny that you mentioned also oil, because, you know, that now uh, with the energy crisis and all these things, we at least here we have seen like prices of oil, like cooking oil, go way up. And people mm-hmm. were like going crazy about it and buying it and, you know, like lot of bottles of oil and so on and like huh, maybe i used like half a bottle in the past six years or something like that <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean i'm not against oil i like a little bit of olive oil or something right. here and there on salads or something but uh i try not to excessively add it because it can add up throughout the day and then then I overshoot on my targets of where I want to be in terms of fat, which I think a, a lot of people do um, just in general from the clients that I've worked with. Uh, they tend not to consider the, the little oil that they put in to cook something or whatever. Mm. And then the calories just add up. Right. Over the day, so. so 
<clears throat> just to mention briefly, what are your targets? Because you know there are different people who try to do, let's say, forfeit. Some people are very concerned with getting carbohydrates, especially when they switch to vegan diet, because oh, now my carbs are way higher than it used to be. So what is maybe your macro split or what are your targets that you try to hit? Um, so Just first a general is protein. Idea. Yeah, first is protein. So I have my, uh, if I'm on a high protein target, that's going to be around 2.45 grams protein per kilo of body weight. So then I've got that. Uh, laid out, which is first. So I consider that first. Mm -hmm. And then for me, I tend to do better, a little bit less fat and more carb also carb for training. So I tend to eat a lot of carbs too, uh, before and after training. So, um, I think my fats are probably around 20% of my split and then carbs make up the rest. So right. when it comes to also, no, just uh, carbohydrates and oh, protein and fats. It's like you are not really concerned about it as long as you give, let's say, your protein and your overall calories. Is that right? Uh, so, yeah, I use a macro tra uh, tracker. So mm -hmm. I'll just put all usually. I mean, not all the time, but especially when I'm leading into a competition, I need to be a certain weight. So I need to be a bit more careful. Um, I'll start to track a bit more, but I have, you know, a general protein um, intake, which is, you know, I try to stick to that always. And then carbs and fats, like I said, somewhere um, can, can be a bit more um, flexible with, but uh, generally I find myself eating a lot more carbs um, and fats. I've had some issues with stomach problems, eating too much um, like avocado and mm. uh, coconut oil stuff. So I think I don't do well with super fatty, like uh, macro split. So I tend also to shoot more for carbs, but I like to keep a minimum of, like I said, at least 20% of my calories coming from fat. Um, so somewhere in the range of 20 to 25, usually is where I have the fats and then the carbs make up the rest. So, yeah, I mean, I, I track it generally, but obviously these trackers aren't exact, but I do the best I can to have an idea of you know, what I'm getting on a daily basis. And you do it long enough, you start to understand generally what you need in a day to be able to meet those targets. Right. And based at least on my experience, even when you are tracking like over a longer period of time, it's like our diet is usually not so varied that uh, we would fluctuate a lot and we repeat a lot of the same meals throughout the week. So it evens out eventually and you don't need to yeah. use those trackers. So do you actually track all year, more or less, or do you use it more like in preparation for competition? Well, now I'm actually looking to really optimize my performance. So I'm going to be working on tracking more regularly. Mm -hmm. So in the past, it's kind of been here and there, but um, just I know that 
I need a little bit more discipline in that respect, especially if I want to try to eke out like the best performance that I can. So that's where my goals are this upcoming year is to really hone in on perfecting and as much as possible, just paying more attention, not necessarily, it's never going to be perfect, but uh, really trying to optimize that. Uh, also other factors like sleep, but I mean that mm. for performance reasons, uh, the more precise you can get, the better off you're going to be able to um, make the improvements that you want to see. So I want to optimize every single aspect. Yeah, I think you brought a great point that it's not necessary, let's say, tracking for everyone. But uh, the more nuanced you want to get, the more precise you want to get, the more you are pushing performance, the more aggressive your goals are, then it has more value because you are the, uh, removing some of the um, variables there. So from this perspective. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's good for the general population, anybody to have an idea of what they're mm. eating. So I always suggest to anybody who comes to me for nutrition advice to, to really um, get an understanding, basic understanding, use a tracker to get an idea of what you're eating and what is what components are included in those foods. So then that will inform the choices that you make. And I think being more informed in general is never a bad thing. And that's really can, can get people maybe 80% of the way to where they want to be um, just by having a basic knowledge of what's in what they're eating and what they're putting into their bodies. That's a great wrap up. So if anyone wants to connect with you and get in touch with you, maybe some questions, what are the best ways how they can do that? So you can find me on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is at sci-fi. It's S-A-H-Y point uh, dot F-I. And um, Kaylin Barbell also on Instagram. So that's probably the best way. You can also find me on my website, kaylinbarbell.com. Okay, uh, and I will put the links in the description so people don't need to memorize this and just click through it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so Sahi, I wish you all the best in your future lifting and career and inspiring more and more people. And yeah, I hope to connect with you sometime soon. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and before you leave it would be awesome if you could leave rating and a review on the platform or an application that you use for listening. It will help me greatly to bring new guests and discuss topics you are interested in. By the way, check the show notes for important links maybe that we discussed during the episode and all the other and subscribe to Health Energy performance newsletter where I share at least one tip about nutrition, training and mindset that will help you reach your health and fitness goals easily.